Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This is the audio version of our live Sunday morning gathering. To view our live Sunday morning gathering, go to pcctoday.com. Yes. How many know Jesus is Lord? He's Lord over everything. And one of the things that I want to just celebrate with all of us is that Jesus is still on the throne. In case you were wondering or you're worried about anything, he's got control over it all. And uh, as we get ready to receive our morning's tithes and offerings, I want to invite the ushers to go ahead and come on down and get ready to start passing the offering buckets. Um, as we get ready to receive our morning's tithes and offerings, I, something that's just really cool, Mael and I were talking about it. Did you know that one year ago today, um, we got to preach our very first sermon and meet all of you. Isn't that crazy? Um, it's been, it's been a, a year, and it's just amazing what God's done. Oh, sorry, hold the buckets just a second. Don't pass just yet. We've got we to pray for it first. Hold on, I know. We're, we're excited to pass the offering. We got this. But one of the things that Myel and I were, were so excited about when we came here is that Portland Christian Center under the leadership of Pastor Ray and Linda Noah, who are here, by the way. We love you guys. So glad you're here. In 2018, as a church, we paid off, or you paid off, all of the debts. Come on. How many know debt-free is the way it should be? Yes. And so as we, as we came, we're like, man, this, this place is just special. It's almost 100 years. It's debt-free, beautiful facility. All the things that God's doing here are just incredible. And then in November, we were able to do a, an amazing miracle offering. You remember that? And we bless families, and we are a generous church. And so as we celebrate those things, one of the things you have to know at Portland Christian Center is that we will continue to be generous. We will continue to be people that give and we trust God and we believe in faith. And one of the things you'll also know about Myel and I and, and all of our pastors and ministry here is that we are always going to be open and transparent with where we are. All right. And so one of the things you have to know is that we have an amazing reserve. Our finances are, are strong. God has blessed us. We're sending missionaries out. We're supporting more and more missionaries. And as we're doing that, one of the things that we want to do is always check in. How are we doing with our budget? Right? How are we doing financially? So over the last six months, one of the things that you need to know is our tithes and offerings, what we've budgeted to come in, is about 10% below what we budgeted. Now, why am I telling you all that? Because we believe that we have a God who's about to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. We believe that our budget, our finances, that we're going to see God provide in ways that we can't even think of yet. And so we want to be open and honest with you. This is where we're at. We've been wise. We actually have a board. We have a finance committee that we look at the budget, and we have made sure that we're not overspending. We're actually underspending to compensate. But how many know that this church is worth supporting and seeing the gospel advance in Portland? you believe that? Do you believe that? And so one of the things I just want you to know that I believe what the Bible says. Anybody else believe what the Bible says? And the Bible says that if we give, it will be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. 
And one of the things that can happen in culture is that they say, you know, all we do is, all people do at church, they just talk about money, they need money. And I was thinking, man, you know, if you hear that message, you can kind of shy away. But then I heard someone say, if I believe what the Bible says, wouldn't I want people to know the truth about giving? That when I give, I can't outgive God. That when I'm faithful, he is more and more faithful in my life. And why would I hold back from telling people the truth about God's generosity? Why would I shy away from that? In fact, if you look at the teachings of Jesus, he talked about money more than any other subject. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So here's what we're going to do this morning as we get ready to receive our morning's tithes and offerings. As we're going to believe God that he's going to turn this financial area around. Economics may say one thing. The stock market may say one thing, but we serve a God of abundance. Amen? Amen. Come on. And the Bible says that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Anytime we see an obstacle, we have an opportunity right in front of us. Anybody else excited? Yes. God's with us. So who can be against us? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give generously. We're going to see God do a miracle. And we are going to see the finances of Portland Christian Center be stronger than they've ever been before in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Because our best days are right in front of us. Would you lift your hands with me? I'm going to pray for you before we give. Lord, I bless every person as we get ready to give this morning. I thank you for both the gift and the giver. I thank you that you are our provider. We are not afraid. We do not shrink back. We are poised to see you provide in ways that we can't even imagine yet. And I thank you for every person that's giving this morning. I thank you, God, as we prayed for some couples, Lord. They've got jobs this last month, people that have been praying for jobs, people that have been praying for provision. They're coming, Lord Jesus. And I just pray for anybody here that needs a job, that needs help, Lord, I pray that you would provide. And I thank you for your word that you love a cheerful giver. And as we give today, we are going to see you provide in ways that we can't even imagine yet. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise as we pass the buckets. Yeah, we're so grateful for what God's doing. Well, how many have enjoyed Romans? Isn't it just a great, oh, such a great study. And I'm just so thankful for all that God's doing. We're in Romans chapter 3. And I want to invite, um, our, um, one of the things you may have noticed is we've been having different couples read. Have you enjoyed that? Different voice has been really fun. Well, today we have somebody with the best haircut uh, here that's going to help us and his wife. Would you welcome Pastor Rick and Sherry? They, we love them. They're going to come and read to us this morning. And uh, we love you guys. You guys are amazing. Come on up. And uh, we're going to read God's word together. Man, look at you guys. Good looking, coming up. And, and you too, Rick. Just kidding. <laughs> Love you. All right. I think Pastor Heather said that one time. Like, Sherry looks great and I have good taste. I think she said that about Christelle and Ryan. So that's, <laughs> that's true for most of the guys in our church. Yeah. You know, they married great wives and they have good taste, the guys. That's so, right. Um, all right, so if you can, if you're able and willing, would you would stand with us while we read the word? If you're not, it's okay. You can remain seated. Uh, if you get tired while, while I'm up here talking and blabbing, you can go ahead and just quietly sit down in the middle as well, whichever works for you. So uh, let's read Romans 3 together. Romans 3. What advantage then is there in being a Jew, or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? 
Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar, as is, is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if your unrighteousness brings about God's unrighteousness, God's righteousness, sorry, more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I am using a human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderously claim, that we say, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is just. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is not given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is it the... Is it, or is God the God of Jews only? Is not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your word that is alive and active, God. And we thank you, God, that you give us ears to hear. So, Lord, we just open our hearts and our minds to receive the truth of the word of God. So, Lord, we just pray right now that you give Pastor Nate a fresh anointing and power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, as he speaks the word of God boldly and divides soul and spirit, God. So, God, we open our arms, we open our eyes, we open our hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Love you guys. Thank you so much. Come on. Yeah. Give it up for Rick and Cherry, Pastor Rick and Cherry. 
Yes. Great job. All right. How many in here have ever made a plan with your family, your kids, and you had it dialed in? It was going to be the best trip you've ever had. It was going to be perfect, smooth, no problems, and it didn't quite go the way you thought it would go. Anybody ever have that happen to you? The rest of us need to tell the truth. Okay. So we... Uh, we were, my wife and I, we had this great idea. We, we were on Friday after the boys got to school. We were going to go hike Hoyt Arboretum, and we had a great time uh, as a date day together. We were just enjoying conversation, having fun. And so we were getting ready to bring the kids along to our smooth, peaceful time. And we thought Hoyt Arboretum, nice, cool, calm hike in the shade. What could possibly uh, be not smooth and easy? Introducing two boys with lots of energy and two boys that think that they're in charge. And one of the things about our family dynamic you have to know is I think God put leaders in all four of us. And so we start going on, and one of us is telling us to go this way, one's telling us to go this way, then we end up in tears, and rocks, and pine cones are thrown, and people are in the corner crying, and then Mael had to just get the rest of us all the way across the way. We were lost. It was a complete disaster. And Mael and I got in the car afterwards, and we looked at each other, we took this deep breath. <sighs> what were we thinking? We were making an adventure. Come on, anybody else ever been there? And, and what can happen with life, and maybe if you're like me, you can be doing things really well, going smooth, everything's going great, and then it doesn't. And then you know what ends up happening? There is something that we all are very accustomed to, and that is conflict. Conflict happens at all different places. And one of the things that we find out about life is that unity is hard to keep, but it's worth fighting for. Unity is worth fighting for, whether it's in your marriage. Now, don't, I saw some elbows going. Don't elbow in right now, okay? Whether, whether it's with your children. How about at work with your boss? Okay. Or dare I say, in the church. Unity is so important. Christ actually, one of the last prayers he prayed for the body of Christ is that they, we would be one as he and the Father are one. Unity is so important that we must fight for it. Unity may not be easy, but it's worth fighting for. Amen? And Paul is writing this letter in Romans chapter Three right now, this is where we picked up at. And by the way, in case you're following along, I encourage you to keep reading through the whole thing. And what we're doing is we're just going to go chapter by chapter all the way through the summer. And then we're going to, each speaker will pick something that they're going to talk about out of each chapter. And today we're going to be talking about this amazing, powerful word that you should fall in love with. It's this word justification. But before we get there, as we start unpacking that, we have to understand why Paul's writing this letter. You see, in Acts 18, we find out that there was this church in Rome that was starting, and there were Jews in Rome. And this emperor named Claudius, he shows up and he says, out with the Jews. So he kicks them all out of the country. Five years later, things change, and all of these Jews start coming back, and some of them are believers. And they show up, and they see these Gentiles who are supposed to be following the way, following Christ, 
but they're not following the same religious laws and rules that they are supposed to be following according to the Jewish custom. So the Jews show up, and they're like, uh, excuse me, that's not kosher. Excuse me, why aren't you following the Sabbath? Why aren't you circumcised? And the, Jew, and the Gentiles are going, uh, I like bacon. Hello. What is the Sabbath? And you want to circumcise what? And instantly, there is a fight. And Paul is listening to this, and he's over in Corinth writing all these things. And here's the great thing about Paul is he used to be known as Saul. And his testimony, his mess, is actually the very thing God will use to promote his message. The things that you're going through in your life, the things that you're wishing away, if you allow God to touch and transform your life, will become a message that will help somebody else. You see, the Apostle Paul wasn't always Paul, this great writer who's advancing the gospel all over the world that we're still reading about thousands of years later. He was once a man named Saul who was on his way to kill Christians because they were not following all the religious laws and customs. He didn't believe in Jesus. And then all of a sudden, by the way, if you're here and you have a family member or you know some friends that aren't serving God, pray for a Saul to Paul conversion. Pray that Jesus would show up because I believe this with all my heart. The most hard heart, the most lost person in the world is one encounter away from meeting Jesus from being transformed. And what ends up happening is the greatest mess often becomes the loudest message and the loudest messenger. And Paul is now poised, perfectly equipped. You know why? Because he was a Pharisee. He knew all the religious laws, all the customs, and he said he was like the best. He knew how to do every single thing right. And when he found Jesus, you know what he realized? It's all about Jesus. All of these moral things that he was trying to do, it didn't make him right with God. It may have made his life better. It may have improved different things, but it definitely didn't save his soul. And so Paul is writing this letter to this church that is in conflict. And did you know that there is conflict in the church today? Some of us are not shocked. (laughs) There's conflict in the global church, the big church. There's conflict all over the place. And what we have to continually fight for is unity. We have to continually look at each other and say this, by grace we have been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God. And we come back to Scripture. We come back to the Word of God. And the same God who saved me has the same power to save my friends, to unify his church. And here's why. And this is the big idea this morning if you're taking notes. A unified church is the light our city needs. I'm going to say that again. You should be taking writing that down because we're going to be praying over this in a moment. A unified church is the light our city needs. The reason I say that is because I want all of us to know this about your call as a believer. If you're here and you're a Christian, is that God has put you in Portland for a reason. The reason I said a light to our city is that Portland Christian Center sits up on a hill. The very first thing Myel said to me when we saw this church, she said, Portland Christian Center is a city on a hill. It's a light on the hill. We are to shine the light into the darkest places of Portland. And don't you know that in the darkest nights, the light shines the brightest? So PCC, we're shining pretty bright. Come on. 
We should not shrink back. We should not be afraid. We should shine brighter with the love of God. And why should we shine so bright? It's because of this word that Paul shows us. It's this word justification. And if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. The definition of justification is simply this. To declare righteous by faith. To declare right standing by faith. It's not by anything that you've earned, anything that you've deserved, but you are in right standing with God because of what Jesus has done for you and for me. What was only accomplished through faith in the life and power of Christ for all who received him, for all who have been called according to his name, those are the ones who get to be called sons and daughters of God. So justification, it unites us in three critical ways as a church. So there's three ways that we're going to be united as a church through justification. The first thing that justification does for you and for me, for those who receive it by faith, is this. Number one, you get a new position. A new position. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The first old position. So what was your old position? You were lost. I'm sorry to tell you this. Without Christ, you're lost. And some people, as, as Paul's addressing this, this culture, the Jews and the Gentiles, one of the things that can happen is people think that they're superior because of the morality. I wouldn't do something like that. How dare they? Oh, they're so prideful and arrogant. I would never be that way. And we start nitpicking and things like this. But here's what Paul's really saying. I want to illustrate it to you this way. If you were to make a competition to have three, or maybe more, you guys as many people as you want, but to have some people swim from New York all the way to, uh, let's just say, France. Uh, in case you didn't know, that's 3,625 miles. The, the furthest swim anybody's ever done is 139.8 miles across the Adriatic Seas, and he did it for 50 hours. His name was Vileko Ragosic. Okay, in case you're wondering, 139 miles is a lot less than 3,625. But let's just say for our sake of argument that we get someone who doesn't know how to swim, someone that's okay at swimming, and somebody that is this victor guy. And they start out swimming. And the first person jumps off the dock and drowns and dies. Sorry. The next person goes out maybe 25, 50 yards as the seas goes up, and they drown and die. Victor, he goes all 150 miles and 50 hours, and he drowns as well. No matter how right or strong they are, they still drown. The same is true for us spiritually. You can get all of the right things, think you've got it all done. You've worked so hard. I never eat bacon in my life. I'm going to... No, that's not what it's about. You see, what it's really about is this. If you want to go from New York to France, let's take a plane. One time when I was in seventh grade, I got to go on a flight with my family and they, I don't know what happened. I, I did my devotions this morning. That's what it was. We got upgraded to first class. Seventh grade. 
So my brother and I, we sit and they have lounge chairs to give you a moist towelette. And we're wiping, I mean, think about this. Think, think about our middle school, they're wiping their foreheads down, right? And we're just, we're ordering smoothies and ice cream was free. It was amazing. Do you know that when you are justified by faith in Christ, that's how you get to where you're supposed to go. That's how you get to heaven. Your faith, it has to have the right object. It can't be in yourself. It can't be in your strength. It can't be in your wisdom. It can't be in your bank account. It can't be in your family of origin on earth. Do you know the only way that you get upgraded to first class and get to go to heaven is through Jesus Christ? That's the only way. And you might be listening to this and you're saying, Pastor Nate, maybe online, you're like, but Oprah said there's many ways to heaven. The culture says, no, 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 don't be offensive. And I'm like, I can't help it. I don't want you to drown. I don't want you to be lost. I care about you. I love you. The Bible is so clear. There's only one way. It doesn't matter how strong you are, how wise you are, how important you think you are. Justification is only through Jesus because all have sinned. All have fallen short. All of us are at the same boat. It's sinking. So let's jump on a plane. His name's Jesus. And not only does he give you a new position, he says, I love you so much that I'm going to call you family. The second thing he does is he gives you a new family. You get a new position and you get a new family. No matter how great you may think your family is. Some people, man, they have families like the big fat Greek wedding. I mean, come on, you come in, they're like, oh, let's go, give me hugs. Have you ever met those families? You come in, my family, they're huggers. And you come in, you're hugging everybody. I love you, so good to see you. My uncle Bob, who turned 70 this last weekend, he loved to give people kisses on the neck. And if they were weirded out, he'd say, the Bible says it's okay, it's good. We're like, what is happening? <laughs> no matter how great or weird or crazy or wonderful or awful your earthly family is, I need you to hear this. When you get saved by faith and you are justified, you have a new family spiritually. That's why when you walk into Portland Christian Center, you feel something different. People, I've heard this all the time. They come in and they're like, what? I, I don't, is it the coffee? I wish. Pastor Paul gives a lot of effort to make sure that coffee tastes good. Is it the carpet? Come on. Is it the rhododendrons? No, they're everywhere. It's Portland. And they're beautiful, by the way. I went from the desert in Brown to Portland. Let's go. Anyway, sorry. I'm just excited. It's beautiful over here. It is beautiful over here. Thank you. You have a new family. Why do you think unity is so important? Because we're supposed to be a family. When people come into church, they should feel, and so many times I hear from people over and over, they feel the difference. And my prayer for every single person here is that when you are justified by faith, you would see the truth of who you are as a new family member. Did you know what John 1, 12 to 13 says? Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. To the orphan in the house, you have family. I've been around church all my life. And one of the things that I think breaks the heart of God more than anything is people that have a family spiritually, a family of God, still operate with an orphan spirit. An orphan spirit is one of the most devastating things because it's nullifying the power and grace of God in their lives. An orphan spirit never believes there'll be enough. An orphan spirit is always trying to one-up somebody else. An orphan spirit is always trying to compete with other people. An orphan spirit always has one head looking back trying to see if somebody's coming after him. But can I tell you, friends, that when you encounter the love of God and he makes you family, all of that gets washed away. And if you are here, you need to stop looking at yourself and you need to fix your eyes on Jesus because he's the one that saved you. He's the one that justifies you. Not by your own works, lest any man boast. It's a gift of God. He's the one that calls you family. The last and final thing that happens to all of us is that you get new life. A unified church requires new life in Christ. New life in Christ. So what was my old life like? What was my old life like? To be honest, one of the things that I see a lot of people, their old life before Christ, is they boasted in all the wrong things. But one of the dangers I also see is that people have been around church for a long time. They boast in all the wrong things too. You hear it in different conversations. So proud of this car, this investment, this, 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 and the list can go on and on. But Romans 3.27, with justification, it slaps us right back to center and it says this, where then is boasting? Where then is boasting? It is excluded because of what? The law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. Justification wipes out all boasting in yourself. Paul says this, if I boast, I boast only in Christ. Why? Because he's the one that justified me. He's the one that saved me. He's the one that gave me a new position, a new family. And he gave me a new life. When I look at this church, my prayer is every single Sunday, when people come in, you're going to come in one way and leave differently. You're going to leave more inspired, more encouraged, more faith-filled, more free, more abundant, more powerful. Why? Because that's what the Holy Spirit's done. He's given you a new life. We are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of Christ to set anybody free that receives him by faith. So one of the things that we are going to preach here at Portland Christian Center is the gospel truth. Why? Because that's what sets people free. The gospel will not be watered down. We will speak the truth in love because that's what we need. That's what we need. And I was listening to um, 
another pastor, and he was, he was quoting a, 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 a hymn, and it, man, it just absolutely spoke to me when we think about what our new life looks like and no more boasting. It's by a guy named Isaac Watts. He wrote this hymn in the early 1700s, and I want you to hear this. This is so powerful. No more, my God, I boast no more. Of all of the duties I have done, I quit the hopes I held before to trust the merits of thy son. No more, my God. No more, my God. No more, my God. I boast no more. Now for the loss, I bear his name. What was my gain? I count my loss. For my former pride, I call my shame and nail my glory to his cross. Yeah, we can clap for that. Church, new life can only boast in Christ. That's how we humbly serve each other and love our city. That's what unity looks like. Did you know that unity requires humility? A unified church is the light our city needs. This past week, we asked that there would be some people that would come and have a worship and prayer night. And you know, I've heard different pastors and friends say, you know, our church is awesome on Sundays, but if you ask them to come to a prayer meeting or a prayer service, they don't show up. Three, four, maybe five people. Did you know that we had over 200 people show up last Wednesday night? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Pastor Nate, did you just hear your last part about boasting? Why do I sell that to you? Because that's what it's going to take to change our city. A prayerless church is a powerless church. And we need more of us praying. More of us hungry. More of us tired. We're done complaining. We're done arguing. What we need to do is come together because we're justified by God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, every Sunday we get up here and we get ready to preach. But did you know that you're preaching a message tomorrow when you go to Starbucks? When you go to your jobs, you're the greatest message people will ever see. I tried to write this message at Starbucks yesterday. First time I sit down, there's a, there's a uh, table I'm sitting at. Empty table all by myself. I'm working on my message, kind of finishing some things. Guy sits down right next to me. I'm like, hello. <laughs> hey, do you mind if I sit here? That's literally what he said. I said, I'm sure, I guess you're sitting there. And we started talking, and he goes, well, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm working on my, my sermon. He goes, your sermon? I go, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go, do you go to church? No. So we started having this intersection about faith, and I said, hey, I'd love for you to come to my church. I'm praying for you. God bless you. And he was like, I got to go. Grabs his coffee and leaves. <laughs> then, I'm, then I'm sitting on the other side of the Starbucks. About five minutes later, a lady comes out. You know how they walk out with their little tasters, the barista? She's like, would you like this like, frappuccino thing? I'm like, sure. She starts talking to me. She goes, what you working on? I'm like, oh, can't get away from it. Literally, what you working on? And I go, I'm, I'm working on a sermon. I'll be preaching at Portland Christian Center tomorrow. You go to church anywhere? No. 
When was the last time you were in church? Oh, when I was two. I was like, man, I would love to have you come. Good talking to you. All right, would you like a frappuccino? And you know what I realized? God sent me there for a reason. Do you know that God's sending you for a reason? You've been justified by faith. Not to boast, but to heal the city. To love the, the city of Portland. That's what this is all about. Every Sunday we preach, we come up here, all of our pastors and guests that come and speak, we always give people an opportunity for salvation. Why? Because John 3.16 still burns in all of our hearts. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? And we're going to pray because I believe the Holy Spirit is starting to stir in the lives of some people today, and the worship team is going to come up. If you're here this morning, there is no condemnation. This is not about you. This is about the faithfulness of God pursuing your heart. He's been pursuing you your whole life. You may not even known it, but he's loving you. He's pursuing you. The fact that you're even hearing this message right now means that you have a God in heaven who loves you who wants you to experience new life in him. If you're here this morning, I'm not going to embarrass you or do anything other than ask you to raise your hand so that we can pray with you. If you would like to receive Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you right where you are. And online, by the way, if that's you, put it in the chat. One of our, our hosts will follow up with you. Yeah, I see that hand. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? We have, that's amazing. Praise God. That's so awesome. Thank you. I see your hand. That is amazing. That's awesome. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise. A cup of praise. Come on. By the way, the Bible says that when one person receives Christ, all of heaven dances and rejoices. Come on. I'll, we'll work on our dancing later. It's cool. Would you pray with me? Everybody repeat this prayer after me with this gentleman that raised his hand. Father, let's try that again. Father, thank you for sending your son to die for me. I receive you by faith. Thank you for justifying me. Thank you for making me right standing with you. I will follow you all the days of my life. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you clap as you stand with me? Would you stand with me, church? Uh, this next part is so, is so critical. Please don't miss this. This is for believers who have been justified and saved by faith, for those that, are, that you just love God and you want to see Portland changed. You want to see your church shine bright for Christ. Amen. Anybody else with me on this? In order for that to happen, it's not by our strength. It's by the faithfulness of God. From start to finish, it's all because of Jesus. And the first thing that we must do before we go out and change every Starbucks, every Dutch Bros, every Black Rock. That's a coffee shop, by the way. So like Black Rock. Or restaurant that you go to, Famous Dave's 
our normal Daves, wherever you're at. It's the faithfulness of God. That's who we boast in. Because I came as a sinner, broken and lost and without hope. Even though I was raised in church, there was a season in my life where my heart was hard and I was lost. And he saved me. He found me. He turned my life around. And he does it again and again and again. And the best thing that you can do before you go out, because I'm believing that we're going to have revival in the week, this week at Portland, because all of you are being sent by God, is that we're going to turn our eyes on Jesus. And we're going to sing a song. It's going to be familiar to a lot, of, a lot of us. It's called Great is Thy Faithfulness. And the reason we're singing this song is because you're not justified by your works. I don't want you to go out and witness because you want to feel good about yourself or be proud of yourself or boast by anything else. The reason we go witness is because God is faithful and he's using me. He's living in me. He's changing my heart so that I have the capacity to love because on my own, I don't love very well, but with him, I can. It's his faithfulness. It's his grace. It's his love. It's his joy and it's his strength. So would you lift your hand with me and let's praise God. And ask him, Holy Spirit, would you fill us today? As we sing about your faithfulness, may we be encouraged. May we be strengthened. May we be filled with your power, I pray, Acts 1-8, all over your church. That we would receive power from the Holy Spirit to be bold witnesses. In Portland, in Wilsonville, in Tigard, in Tualatin, in Canby. Southeast Portland, anywhere you find your feet, you are showing the light and love of Christ because of the faithfulness of our God. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or Join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.